Welcome to the Diamonds for Our Children podcast, a public humanities project and motherhood ministry. I'm your host, Katie Jo LaRiviere. Drawing on all aspects of what Pope St. John Paul II called the feminine genius, I gathered together the narratives, expressions, and expertise of mothers as a collective epistolary given freely as a gift to all children who might need the loving and secure presence of motherhood. This podcast is for my little ones, of course, but it's also for you, dear one, whomever and wherever you may be. If you need the love of a mother, join me every Monday. Each episode is a facet of the diamond of motherhood, and each contributes to a unified love that reflects light back onto the world. Let us fill our hearts up so that we can pour them out. Welcome, dear one, to the second half of my conversation with my sweet sister, Carlene Kantner, in which we pick up on our reflections, this time talking about imagination and its relationship to the themes we discussed last week. Carlene beautifully reads and analyzes a rarely appreciated poem, and weaving the threads of our whole conversation together, Carlene and I work to articulate a third way of being that accounts for a fullness of dignity and a more just society. Grab a cup of coffee. We're talking about a revolution of love. You and I like to talk about imagination a lot. Mm. And we like to talk about um, a way of imagining, sort of allowing imagination And I wonder if you could talk about this a little bit. I'm just curious about maybe, because I love it so much, if we could have this conversation about imagination again. Oh, man. Well, imagination has changed so greatly for me in the past few years. It's really, it's really gone through this transformation. I mean, imagination has always been painted in this light of colorful, fun, kind of like alternate sort of reality or like fun play, a place for a a kid to be a kid. (laughs) And (laughs) like, be creative. Yeah, be creative. Um, Use your imagination. And, uh, you know, there's certain imagery that comes to mind, whether it be rainbows or um, unicorn or whatever. You know what image I have right now? What? (laughs) Barney the purple dinosaur. <laughs> I am thinking of SpongeBob with his hands above his head saying imagination. imagination. Yeah. Oh, yes. I mean it's but as you grow into an adulthood, into adulthood, what are you supposed to lose your imagination? You're supposed to, you know, get, serious. get to the grind, you know, start working on your efficiency. You gotta get going and teach you know and and how how I just don't understand that disconnect and so you know through being an adult and being a model for children we really need to show we really need to figure out how to be adult imaginators um imaginers we've been talking so much about unlearning efficiency unlearning this false sense of security and we can only do that if we have 
imagination, if we can imagine another way of being. It's right. so, there's so much trust involved. Well, and it seems to me too that like imagination, even for kids, isn't necessarily rainbows and unicorns and Barney the purple dinosaur, because that is an adult concept of imagination, I think that is imposed. Children know how to imagine anyway without us and they they think of a third way right they are not bound by the efficiencies and productivities and all of those things but it's more than being unbound by them they they don't even think of them right so it's not like this intentional i'm, I'm going to go this other direction and imagine a different future for them, it's just, this is what I have in my brain right now. <laughs> like, this is what my heart is feeling. This is what my body wants to do. It's like a boundlessness without being aware of boundaries to begin with. Mm. It's the, it's a, it's a really a true presence. Yeah. Their choices are very fluid. They, um, they're just there existing in their joys and their pain and their learning. It's just pure play. You can really discover so much about a child through their through their play and through right. through these decisions that they make. So it just kind of makes me think like, you know, right now I think we're in a moment socially, politically, economically, everything, where we really need to imagine a a third way right? Not a, a way that is not bound by binaries of thought or political leanings or any of these sort of boundaries, but mm. rather rather a, a middle way or a, a way that's completely unrelated to these boundaries whatsoever. And I'm thinking we can, we have to use imagination in order to do that. It's inter it's funny though because like we don't need to invent any brand new way. I mean, right. We need to re we need to imagine what we really are yes. and return. Return. I mean, we have just been we are so seduced by other other methods of um oh gosh like modernity and progress that we this third way that i like i completely understand what you're saying like i keep i find myself saying we need to imagine a better way we have to be able to ha imagine doing things differently more inclusive more just yes but we are made just like we come just we are right that way like if you and I think that the um this rewilding you know I write in my bio this surrendering to rewilding is that third way mm -hmm. it's the example is right there in front of our eyes and right. all we have to do is just use that fluid state of being that it is to be a child to help us return to what we were and maybe that's why childhood is so emblematic of of imagination and of um purity is because we're as a child you're closer to the source you're closer to the very beginning because really the very beginning isn't soiled until until these, until know. yeah until these <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I mean, I think what you I think what you you have demonstrated just now is sort of the the frustration perhaps or the the overwhelm that comes with the task, right, of returning because it's it is monumental because the systems we have built are so deep set, right, toward yeah. toward injustice. And I'm thinking about from my position or from your position as an adult, right? We cannot um, necessarily just decide we're going to return to a childhood state of, of purity, but through motherhood, right? Like through this practice that you've been describing this whole time that we've spent together this practice of intentionality and attention and devotion, um, a true self-giving through that practice, maybe like you do in your work, we can create opportunities for others to keep practicing their own tender mercies toward themselves and toward others, right? So mm -hmm. that all of us are both mothers and children. Right, both literally, but also in this imaginative sense that the more tender and merciful we are toward each other, the more we rewild ourselves in this sense of justice. Oh, and it's so joyful. Yes. Because here's the thing, the this great return that you're talking about is going to cause so much grief for some people who have this false sense of power, who really are only powerful to themselves. Mm -hmm. But the, the thing is, is like people are grieving now. And so to, to put this idea of returning on this pedestal as like this unattainable thing because people are going to grieve and there's going to be immense suffering to change, literally change our system to make it more equitable and just it's crazy. Like it can't be on that pedestal because people are grieving and suffering now. Right. Right. So, there is already the grief and suffering. And so we it, need not fear it. We need not fear it. You know, we need to inject this immense monumental. That word is great. Uh, that's one of my pieces is titled green monument because of this idea of this monumental joy that will ease the <laughs> suffering and truly like just return mm. us all to, to this balanced place of, of just peace. peace of just being, being a human being again. in response to what sort of this monumental and hopeful vision that you have, you know, that we share this, this vision. I think that there is such a quick tendency, an unimaginative tendency for that vision and our passion for it to be sort of demeaned as naive mm. or um, mm. silly or whatever name you want to call us. <laughs> but my thought is 
that indeed imagination is naive. It is, you know, it might be all of these things that I'm, I'm willing at least to accept that. Because you can trust. Because, yeah, it, I feel like, go ahead and call me naive. Go ahead and call me idealistic, whatever. Ultimately, if we don't allow for this kind of play, and is very much related to the play that you were talking about in your work earlier, and if we don't allow for the kind of play, you know, that our children engage in with their imaginations, um, we will not get anywhere. So to me, like if the option mm-hmm. needs to be between um, naivete and play and idealism or injustice and suffering and pain, then I will take naivete Give any me day. Play. Oh, well, <laughs> isn't that what the patriarchy this patriarchal dominance does is it equates naivete silliness to women okay so think about that patriarchal dominance does that as well it it infantilizes it infantilizes yes absolutely it puts this (laughs) this idea of naivete imagination of nurturing of compassion in second in command it puts mm. it in down a notch in in realism. It's not, you know, it's like cute, but it won't make money. But it won't do it. And you know what? Being under the that thumb doesn't just put women under that thumb. It's the whole community. It is our whole well being mm-hmm. that is under that thumb. So just as you said, injustice, division, suffering. Oh. Yeah, no, I'll I'll take that play, that joy, that naivete any day. Any day. And reassert it in a revolution, if, if need be. Oh, and it's right? so great because our revolution is, is full of joy. I was listening to a beautiful conversation between Bronte and Ayanna Young on For the Wild podcast. And Bronte notes that we can't be liberated by our collapse only. We have Mm. to inject this joy. And so this idea of um, hand-holding, where I mentioned that the work, I want the work to hold the hand of someone who may choose to imbibe in this reality of, or in this rewilding, it creates this really wholesome uh not like a feeling of communion yeah Mm -hmm. it's like a uh just support the security within this collapse it totally makes makes sense sense. i mean absolutely absolutely because even while revolution requires um destruction if at the core of it we're holding hands Mm -hmm. we'll survive Mm -hmm. And this motherhood creates the action to make that possible. Right. I've I've come to understand this idea of joy as as less um, happiness and glee and excitement, but um, so much more of a pure action toward doing uh, more and creating more, um, mm. thinking beyond what is now. 
And a lot of that has come from reading Joyful Militancy by Nick Montgomery and Carla Bergman. They have this whole glossary in the back that has just blown my mind. You've provided so many resources. Well, I can't, my, I can't say amazing. I can't say that. Like I just, this whole thing is a research effort. I mean, mm. oh, like motherhood is that endeavor, right? It's not, yes. I like, I found myself thinking it takes a village this morning because, because I, I wouldn't be able to be here without all of my research and teachers through it all. Many of them don't even know I exist. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I mean, but that's okay because through their work and through your reading of it, we create a community, yeah. right? And that communities are built of whole people and we don't, we don't do things in isolation. Certainly we never succeed in isolation no. from each other. We need to shift that isolation, work for others, serve others. The poem that I wanted to read to you um, oh, please, please, came yes. to me yesterday. This book actually, believe it or not, was a, it's a book of poetry that mom gave me in 2003. Oh, and go mom. I know. It's called, it's a, the title of the book is In Embrace, and it's a collection of poems by Jay Jonda. It's titled Assumption. Restored by fields blue with chicory, Knee deep with Queen Anne's lace, and yellow with wild snapdragon, orange hawkweed, crowded and abundant as mille fleurs. Tapestry. Childhood is medieval and forgotten, but for the unicorn, the unicorn, purifying the font by absorbing the poison with his horn so others might drink and live. Why must he be hunted and slain? Under the lemon tree, children and virgins waking to find his head in their lap are never astonished, but laugh and let him go. Oh Christ, my unicorn, to capture you is to slay you. Teach me to leave this hunt and see your spattered blood in all reality. Vermilion, beneath gold leaf, the master's new vermilion beneath gold leaf makes all gold glow. Worn paintings affirm their belief. One thing that comes to mind right off the bat, well, I have two things. First of all, this unicorn as this, um, this symbol of imagination for me being slain and hunted and people, you know, um, this idea of, of a just life being slain and hunted mm. and also the numbness to that, that is shown later as mm. the children and the virgins hold his head in their lap and aren't astonished at his violent demise or at his, in his violence, but are just laugh and let it go. Okay. Continuing on. There's that idea of like continuing on with their day and their life. And it's like part of this action, this thoughtfulness, this intention, this presence is saying no 
to being numbed by injustice, saying no to being numbed by, by violence and, and the system that puts so many under the thumb of a dominant few. And I just love that intention in that prayer, in that poem that says, no, like, let us embody, like, let us be this better way. What you're talking about is this sense of deep resistance. And that when we, when we act in accordance with the truth of our being, you know, with that depth and that imagination, that attention to others, sort of this other-oriented self, when we act in accordance with it, we it is joy, it is beauty, it is justice, mm-hmm. and it is resistance to all of the forces that would that would numb us, mm. that would that would force apart who we are and what we are. Oh, force apart who we are and what we are. So much so. Thank you for reading that. Mm. Thank you for bringing it. I could sit here and talk to you about this for like 10 years straight without stopping. I think um, I think we've talked about so much that requires some some meditation. Yeah. Some, some reflection. Yeah. And so um, maybe I will just conclude by asking if there's any other resources that you wanted to point us to besides the bounty that you have already (laughs) given us today. I guess I want to emphasize this notion of embodiment during a time where, gosh, so much is just frantic and worn thin. The way that I just wish such breath and trust and pause for everyone now. I just I will continue to work as an artist to try to grow deeper in the work so that not only so that it's not just a place of respite like in a gallery for a moment, um, but that it's actually something that can be carried with us day to day through Uh, inclusive, literal, and really ambitious means to create a more livable, healthy, and just Mm. place for everyone. Let Um, us not be afraid of that ambition. mm, mm -hmm. The ambition toward imagination. Mm -hmm. Let us not be afraid of that. Yeah. Let us let go of anything that is in the way of our full embodiment in our senses if we are missing our senses what do we need to get rid of to allow us to feel it in all fullness i'm so excited thank you for calling on me to talk this has been really fun ditto (laughs) thank you for sharing just this wealth of deep thought so i'm really grateful to you and honored by your presence here and i I just thank you so much thank you katie joe one of my favorite things about my conversation with carlene is the natural love she models for others whether they be people animals or anything in the natural world she has a way of relating to people that i might call anti-defensiveness Her relationships are an intentional practice 
and she treats people beginning not with skepticism or transaction, but with deep love and respect. My conversation with Carlene treats love as the foundation of human interaction, which is something I think we can all learn from. Thank you so much for spending time with me this week. You are a beloved child, and today, for just a few moments, you chose to be with me. I'm so honored by that. I hope you can feel how much you are loved. If you know someone who could benefit by spending time with us, will you invite them to the Diamonds for Our Children community? Help them find our website at diamondsforourchildren.com. Send them a link to the show on Spotify, Apple, or any podcast platform. Or search for Diamonds for Our Children on Patreon. Patreon members are eligible for lots of good things, especially the opportunity to help me turn this mama love into tangible giving in our communities. You can also share what the show means to you by reviewing the podcast on the free Apple podcast app. Rating and reviewing helps others to find our community and our love. And who knows, your review might just be featured on the doc website. You can also get in touch with me via email at diamondsforourchildren at gmail.com to ask questions or share your thoughts with me. I can't wait to be with you again next week. Together, we create facets of a unified love that reflect light back onto the world.